previously on The X-Files. I started getting very suspicious. There was a lot going on, so I went for a walk to clear my head. And I'm walking along the waterfront, and I look up at the restaurant, and there he is having dinner with his ex-wife. Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of Ex-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we we stand stand together. together. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 3, Episode 3, Something Was Wrong. When I moved to Idaho, I am staying in their marital home, which is also rather strange. And her things are still in this house. There's closets downstairs in the basement that have her clothes. Her makeup stuff is still underneath the sink and like toiletries and things. And this is even when I get there because I moved at the end of May, beginning of June. So I had seen it back in February. It was there in April, but nothing had moved by the time I got there in June. And he told me she abandoned the things. He told me that he had to sell the house, that it was part of his divorce settlement, and that the divorce had drawn out for so long that even though he had been divorced about a year, this was the very last thing he had to do, was sell this house so that he could split the equity with his ex-wife, Denise. We were looking at houses. He wanted to buy again. He said he wanted to buy and and live in a house with me. So we started actually house hunting. So the decision was really more of his time constraint, less mine. I was still getting used to being in the area. I didn't know any, I didn't even have a job at this point. Um, I had literally just landed in Idaho with no prospects. So I was in no rush to look for a house. And financially, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, I need to be careful because I don't know where my income is coming from until I land a job. Yeah. So did you move having some savings in the bank or were you actively trying to get a job ASAP or just kind of seeing how things unfolded? I still, I had some savings and I had some money from the sale of the business. So I still had some income coming in. I didn't have a lot coming in, but I still had some. You know, I was trying to be careful and be conservative with what I was doing because I wasn't quite sure what the job market was. You know, it was a smaller town. So bartending in a smaller town, I wasn't quite sure if it was going to be lucrative or if I wanted to open another cleaning business. I had talked with the realtor that was uh, selling his house and I was actually starting to network a little bit in the city to see if like opening a cleaning business would be something that um, I'd be interested in doing there. I actually spent about two or $3,000 on advertising and bought a bunch of flyers and postcards and things. I was doing mailers to see if I could get some residential jobs, residential cleaning jobs, and, you know, kind of deciding what I wanted to do. He never, you know, he never took over any bills for me. I was paying my own car payments. I was paying my own cell phone bills and stuff like that. I didn't pay him for housing because he refused to take any money from me. And he supplied the groceries. Uh, once I got a job, we, we were going to split like the mortgage and, and do 50-50. Um, But we hadn't gotten there yet. 
<laughs> so yeah. it was still like all in talks, you know? This is definitely the part for any of our listeners who pull the plug, move for someone like I did and you did. This is mm-hmm. a prime opportunity to get into that financial abuse cycle. Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah. money saved. And then you, I was essentially stuck. I didn't mm-hmm. have any savings or anything. So I'm glad that you did. And you had that, you know, on your side, some people, a lot of people I'm sure don't. Yeah. Yeah. And financial abuse is a real thing. Like, I, I mean, when you get, when you get stuck and you have nowhere to go, I mean, the last thing you want is to be on the street. So you will stay in a situation that's not exactly great because you don't want to be on the street because you think that that's a, the worst alternative when actually it might be the best alternative. <laughs> um, but logically thinking like the worst thing in your mind is to not have a place to stay. And that is scary. So I could see how women could get into that. We asked Alicia to give us a few examples of the many red flags that she noticed during her relationship with Chase. So, if you feel like you're having any type of doubt in your relationship, make sure you take down some notes. Um, so, yeah, basically, he was he was definitely drinking a lot. And by a lot, I mean, you know, there was like cases of Bud Light in the house at all times. Most of the time when he would get home from work, he would be pretty buzzed if not drunk before he went to bed so as far as like the cancer goes I was not seeing any signs of him being sick you know he was not losing any weight he still had the beer gut um, everything and he was eating whatever he wanted and by that I mean like french fries McDonald's whatever so I kept asking him about the doctor's appointments and how they were going. And he kept telling me they were going fine, but he didn't want me to go. He wanted to do this on his own because, you know, he was a man and, you know, he was going to take care of this on his own. So that was a red flag because I, I was like, how is he going to chemo and going to work? So that, that was something that I was starting to question. And then with the, with the ex-wife Denise... Things were still very tense. Things were still very strange. And I can't tell you like how I got the feeling that things were weird between the two of them. I just kind of had that inkling. And then it was probably two, three weeks into me moving. We're sleeping in bed together. We had just had sex, actually. And we're laying in bed together and he's snoring away, dead asleep. Um, It's probably 1230 at night and I'm still kind of awake because I'm a bartender and I'm a night owl so I look over because his phone's buzzing and I look over at his phone on the home screen and there's a text from Denise and it says if you were here right now we'd be dancing our asses off all night and having a blast and I'm just like what and then the next text that comes through is I'll always be your Juliet or something along those lines and that was like a nickname that he had for the both of them, that they were Romeo and Juliet. And it was just not the kind of text you get from an ex-wife, if that makes sense, or an ex of any kind. It's it's not the kind of text you get from somebody that you've broken up with and they're not trying to get back together with you. This sounded like they were trying to get back together or that there was something going on. So... I confront him about the text and he again tells me, well, she's probably drunk. She always does this when she's drinking. She always tells me she loves me when she's drinking. And he's like, I already told you it was over. We live together. Why would you be worried? I come home to you every night. That's what he kept saying. I come home to you every night. And the funny part about that is, yes, he did come home to me every night, 
but he didn't exactly come home on time. So he'd be at work all day and he worked over in Spokane, um, which was about a good 35, 40 minute drive, you know, depending on weather. And um, he would normally get off at five o'clock, but he wouldn't get home sometimes till 830 at night. And I'm yeah, like, that's pretty suspect. <laughs> where, where are you? That's like a good yeah. three and a half hours. He told me he was working on this big project at work that he was assigned to um, this big project that he had to put training materials and stuff together for and that he was up for this big promotion and that he was working extra hours and that he was doing it for our life together. And I kept mentioning to him, I was like, yeah, but don't they know you have cancer? Like, why are they (laughs) making you work all this overtime? I'm like, God, what employer is doing this? Slave drivers, you know? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but I'm doing this because I want to make as much money as I can in case I do get really sick. Or what if I die? Um, I have money to leave my kids. And, you know, I've got, he's like, I now have you to worry about. So he's like justifying it that he's doing all these things for me and his family. And because, yeah, he's coming home like 830 at night. And then when he comes home, he's drunk or he has been drinking. Like he smells of whiskey or like. You know, he's like stumbling through the door and I'm thinking like, you drove home like this. So there's a lot of things where I'm like, what is going on? You know, So as he's sitting out in the driveway for hours and then telling Mm -hmm. you that he's just listening to a podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what podcast was he listening to? (laughs) <laughs> he, i don't think it was xy's under <laughs> he's learning what not to do how to cover his yeah. tracks <laughs> he's taking tips from ben he's like damn it i should have been listening there was some religious podcasts that he listened to oh he, said my, he, he is terrible that he's becoming a born I mean, again yeah. Christian. Yes. Oh, always gotta throw in the religion that'll get you every time yes it's i was like, waiting for that uh, bomb Standard then, 101 psychopath stuff. <laughs> so if he, if he wasn't, oh, I know, right? If he wasn't like coming home at 830 at night, he was sitting in the driveway and he would be there for hours to the point where his son would even come up to me and be like, is dad okay? And I was like, yeah, he's just having a moment. And I would go outside. I would go outside and I'd be like, hey, are you all right? Like, do you want some food? You know, like I made dinner or whatever. I'll be in in a minute. And he'd be out there for like ever, ever. You're nice. Well, again, I'm thinking this poor guy has cancer, right? He's got cancer. He's oh, He's gone yeah. through this crazy relationship. I'm like, this guy, like, he probably needs therapy. I don't know. There's some, just, like, craziness going on. Yeah, you're right. Um, just really stressed out, probably. And I'm, yeah. you know, and his yeah. kids are at home. And the worst thing, like, I'm new to this whole thing. And the worst thing you can do for a kid is make their environment unstable. So I'm trying to keep things together, especially when his kids are there. I'm trying to keep things together and keep like the environment nice and calm and, and not get them worried, you know, cause you don't need, you don't need that as a kid. You don't need to be worried about everything. You don't need to be worried about like what's going on in your house. So I kept trying to yeah. make it fun for them. So while his dad or their dad's out in the driveway, I would be baking with his daughter. We made a million pies and breads and I'm teaching her how to cook. So that was a big thing. Yeah. I was also teaching her how to sew. And then with his son, we're watching, you know, Ninja Turtles and, you know, we're watching whatever YouTube video he wanted to watch. And I'm just trying to make it fun when they're there because like, I, I don't want the kids to be emotionally damaged by what's happening. And I don't want them to associate our house with being somewhere that's like not fun so yeah. I'm just you're trying the to bigger keep it together person. yeah you're the yeah. bigger person for sure and these are the moments where you kind of 
want to give them the benefit of the doubt because it is a new relationship and Mm -hmm. you really kind of are like, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling all these strange things, but it is kind of extraordinary circumstances with sickness and and everything. So you kind of go against what your your instincts are telling you. Oh, I was fighting my instincts the entire time. And like in my heart, it kept telling me, you've known this person your whole life. There's no reason to not trust them. Like, why would he lie to you? He's never lied to you before. So I I have all this history with him telling me like what a great person he is. And then at the same time, my instincts are going, something's not right. There's a lot that's not right here. Can you tell us about when Chase tells you that he's going to see his mother in the nursing home and what you saw after that? Yeah. So he comes home one night and this is a night that we don't have the kids. So we're kid free and he comes home and he starts, he immediately gets in the shower and he starts getting ready. And I asked him, I was like, Hey, what's going on? And he goes, um, I'm going to go spend some time with my mom. And we had been arguing, um, for the past couple of days about the text from the ex-wife, all the weird stuff that was happening. Um, we had just moved in to the new house that we had picked out together. And, you know, I was frustrated because I was doing everything. And I, I mean, I unpacked, I packed the old house, I was cleaning, um, I was getting the new house organized. And um, he told me that that was my, my responsibility because I didn't have a job you know, and that he's working too much and that he's just exhausted from the chemo treatment and all of that. And I, uh, I asked him where he's going. He says he's going to go visit his mother in the nursing home that he was going to have dinner with her and that he would be back later. And I go, okay, well, I can't necessarily argue with that. You should definitely spend time with your mom. So he leaves and I'm left in the house alone and I don't know this town very well. The only places I know are the places he's taken me. So one of the places is this place called Hayden Lake. And um, I was like, well, I'm just going to go over there. I'm going to take a walk, clear my head. Because again, we had been arguing about a bunch of stuff over the week. And um, I'm walking around this lake. It's around sunset. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful and peaceful. And I think to myself, like, you know what, maybe I'll stop at the little marina restaurant and maybe I'll have a drink before I head home. And I start walking up towards the restaurant and there he is on the patio having dinner with his ex-wife. They're sharing a bottle of wine and laughing. And I'm thinking to myself, you're definitely not at dinner with your mom. (laughs) Oh my God. What a fucking tool. I mean, Mm -hmm. why would you take your ex-wife to a restaurant right by your house with your new girlfriend? (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, well, well, to be fair, it was a small town. So I I don't think there was very many places he could have taken her that wouldn't be within a 10 minute drive of where we lived. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. So mm -hmm. in that moment, obviously you stopped and you were staring did you watch them for a few minutes or were you like fuck this I'm gonna go right on up to them and say hey can I join you for dinner every fiber of my being wanted to go and sit down at that table every fiber of my being wanted to do it um and I was watching them for a moment and I was thinking to myself do I be the crazy girl like 
I could be the crazy girl. I could do this. Um, <laughs> I could definitely do this. This, this could be fun. I was like, there could be wine everywhere by the time I'm done with this. <laughs> oh man. You have um, some good restraint. I'm impressed. And I, I stepped back for a moment and I was like, you know, I, I don't want to be that person. Um, and it was at that point that I decided I was going to reach out to her and that we were going to talk. And I wanted to hear her side before I went in blazing. Oh, that's um, smart. You're right. That is smart. So I I had made the conscious decision that I was going to reach out to her. And it took incredible restraint because I walked away from that situation. I walked away from that night and I did not tell him that I saw them. I didn't say a word to him. And I had made the decision that I was going to show up at her work and ask her to go to lunch with me and, and see if we could talk it out. Cause I needed to hear her side. Yes. Um, so in doing that, I know it, I mean, gut reaction would have been to go over there and cause a scene. And I'm sure a lot of people would be like, why didn't you cause a scene? Um, but I stepped back cause I thought, you know, this'll, this'll be better in the long run if I find out the whole story and I'm not going to find out the whole story if I go in there guns blazing and attacking her I need to find out from her what the hell is going on and you're my hero you're amazing you're so much smarter than me (laughs) that is actually that is probably way more badass than doing the tiger and looking like a fool (laughs) like I would have done yeah (laughs) I was slower. Oh, it's okay. But <laughs> you're right. There. People get defensive. Like the, they she, she could have got defensive. You probably wouldn't have found out the truth. Anything. Yeah. Uh, or not the good stuff. Um, and it would have ended quickly and he would have covered his tracks. And oh, and he would have lied. He would have made up some elaborate lie. And he did. To both of you. Confront him with it. Yeah. yeah. He would have come up with some elaborate thing and it just would have made mm. his scheme even stronger. So at this point, I'm like, I just need to find out what the hell is going on. And I can't do that if I'm being crazy. Like I have to keep my emotions in check and I have to figure out what the actual fuck is happening. And I can't be crazy. I could be, there's time to be crazy. And that time to be crazy is later. And like, it's not right now. I need to find out what the hell is going on. What what kind of attention seeking Mm -hmm. desperation is this? Narcissism and borderline personality disorders, they're they're very slick. They're, They're very clever at their game. They know what they want, and when it doesn't quite skew their way, then they'll just bounce on to the next thing. You would think if there's any love in their heart that they wouldn't do that to someone like Alicia. Yeah, I, I really honestly don't think they know what love is. They don't. They 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 think love is attention, um, but that's not the depth of love. That's part of it, but it's not all of it. They like the attention. They go to somebody who who obviously adores them because they know they're going to get it. But on their side, they have no idea what that feeling is. He came home that night around 1230 at night. And mind you, I saw him at dinner. It was probably around sunset time. So 630, 7 o'clock at night. And then he shows back up at the house at 1230. Again, he said he was at dinner with his mother who has um, dementia and is unfortunately living in a care home. And the care home actually closes visiting hours at eight o'clock. I knew this already. (laughs) And he still was holding up the story that he was having dinner with his mom, that he was spending time with her, that she was having a lucid day 
and remembering him and basically kind of shaming me for being mad at him for being home late. He's drunk, I can tell. And he said he went to the bar next to the care home after dinner and that he was just drinking his emotions away because it was hard for him to see his mom. And he goes to bed. I spend the most of that night tossing and turning and thinking about what I'm going to do next. So this essentially is when you go undercover. And that's really when start I started your... going undercover. Yep. Yeah. As Welcome we all to do. the club, girl. Yep. Welcome to the club. That's when I became an FBI profiler at that point. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And that's when everything happened. That's when I started uncovering things about the cancer. That's when I started really trying to figure out what he was doing and where he was going. And I really uh, started investigating and, and I did meet up with Denise and I did have lunch with her. Yeah, I became an FBI profiler and I was definitely headed to finding out what was going on. And in the meantime, we had planned a camping trip with both his children and mine. While we were in the camping trip, a thunderstorm rolled in and he hands me his phone to put in my jacket pocket. And it starts going off with text messages. And it's not text from Denise. It's text from a completely different woman. These texts are from a woman named Monica. And I've never met Monica. And that concludes episode three of Alicia's story. Stay tuned for a little girl chat with our special guest. We have a very special guest. You all might remember her from the first season of Ex-Wives Undercover. Her name is Allison, and she is the sister of my handsome husband, Chris. So it's really fun because we actually get both Patigers on the phone. Okay, let's jump into it. Alicia, she sees Chase's phone light up at night. She reads the message from Denise, which is Chase's ex-wife. Where would your mind go with this? And has anything like that ever happened to you? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. How do I put this? Um, <laughs> I've had my suspicions, but never have I had something happen like where it's right there in my face like that. I've, oh. I, I, I'm, I'm an investigator just like you guys. So mm-hmm. if I think something's up, I start, you know, digging as much as I can. Definitely, I never had something just pop up in my face like that. So. I don't know how I would react. She's seen red flags. Do you feel like you would keep it quiet or say something or you would be the crazy person and that was looking at the phone? Uh, Yeah, I'd probably start digging. Uh, I couldn't just roll over. I'd be like, wake your ass up, motherfucker. What is this? Like, and then my mind starts thinking, what a dumbass. Like, wouldn't you change your home screen? So if someone saw who's calling, you know how you can do that. They're so dumb. They're so dumb. Haters are so stupid. Sometimes I wonder subliminally, like, do you want to get caught? Do you love drama? It's very odd. Men and women. Okay, Allison, Amber and I have personal experience with our ex-husband, as you know. Um, So he used the religious card as a way to manipulate. And then in episode three, Chase claims to be listening to a religious podcast in his driveway. And then he uses that as his excuse to not come inside. Why do you think that people use religion as like a cover story? Because people associate religion with like, you know, you're good and you're, you know, try people are truthful. They're religious. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, 
you know, you just don't expect somebody who's, you know, sitting over there praising God in his spare time to come up with all these crazy lies about all these different lives that they're living. I I thought it was funny when she brought that up about the the podcast and (laughs) this guy is, this guy is good. I've had similar experiences like that myself with guys that I've been dating who they claim to be this religious, you know, person. And I think they think that that's what the good girl wants from, you know, a man. Like it automatically makes them trustworthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And the fact is, is that no matter what religion you are, whether you're religious or not, there's shitty people what an idiot. Like you, well, first of all, you can verify what podcast like she could ask for your phone and be like, can I see which one it is? Cause I'd like to listen to, and right. <laughs> it's going to be like that. And, or then I'm like, do you have to sit in your car to listen to the podcast? Like he could have listened to it during his like leukemia treatments or whatever right? cancer he had. Right. I mean, come on. I could think of many ways your commute. His late hours at work. Yeah, no, I can just see myself, you know, standing from our living room window, with the curtains peeled back totally like eyeing his every move, you know, is his lips moving? Is he talking to someone or is he actually listening? I don't know. I just, you know, that gut instinct, you just feel like something's not right. Yes. The very, very beginning when she said, Hey, I got this phone call text message. He flipped it on her and made her like blame it on her. So I'm sure she in a way was like, I don't want him to blame me on the weird stuff that's happening. It's, and it's dramatic. Yeah. It's a lot emotionally to like handle. And he was threatening to kill himself member and take his bottle of Xanax, whatever the hell it was. And so now this poor guy, you know, his cancer and all these things are happening and poor him. He's so stressed out. So I feel like she's walking on eggshells and maybe because of that, she wants to be a little bit more strategic how she gathers all of her evidence. So she doesn't want to set him off again. Yeah. It's a tough one. You know, at this point it's like, oh my gosh, one thing after another. Now, initially when she first visited his home, she saw a few things of the ex-wife, like the hairspray under the, the sink in the bathroom. But when she's packing up his house, she starts seeing like whole closets of clothes of Denise's. And I can only imagine what was going through her head. Like, what do you guys think you would have done at that point? Packed it up, packed it up and set it outside and told her to come get it. So I think the red flag for her was not just the clothes, but everyday toiletries, makeup, things that make you feel like, okay, like you, it feels like Denise is kind of like going back and forth between homes. I think that was the vibe she was getting, right? It's like her presence was still there. Now, I don't know that she had Denise's contact information, but would you have reached out and be like, hey, I'm just packing up our house. Um, I put your stuff in boxes if you want to come by. And put, like, would you? We have, know you have, would. I, I, I know I would. Persisted. Like I gone would've... around Chase essentially and said like, well, if he's not going to do it, then I'm going to do it. Exactly. Yeah. If he's not going to do it, I, I, you're damn right. Allison, why am I getting the vibe that you're, I mean, you are very sweet and kind, but really- I know you are way more Patiger. <laughs> really? I, I mean, uh, would you really like nicely have packed up his stuff and or her stuff and been like, Chase, can you let her know that all of her well, stuff's ready to go, darling? You know, I think as I've aged, I've probably calmed out a little bit, but 
Um, but you have to put yourself in her shoes and remember all the things now she's found the text messages. Well, honestly, at dinner. I, I don't know that I would have put up with him that long. So yeah, that's kind of, but I mean, I, I understand what she's dealing with, but you know, um, I've been there also where, you know, you've, you've kind of, you've uprooted your whole life or you're in this place and you don't have any family or anyone. And so you kind of just have to stick it out because I think you guys called it financial abuse. Um, I, I, that's the same situation I was in when I was in college, I was in a very awful, awful relationship for many years, way past its time. She, I feel so bad for her. I, I, I do. Um, it's a tough situation. It is. It is. Especially because she's trying so hard to um, not upset him. But the the psychological abuse has started so early on in their relationship. It's just. Yeah, sickening. you're right. Yeah, you're right. So what about what Amber had said? Um, do you think if with things were coming up and you're just trying to be kind and nice, would you if you did have the ex-wife's contact, would you just message her and say, Hey, I mean, you're around her kids now. Would you say, Hey, I have all your stuff ready to go. Is there a a time or day or time that you'd want to come and grab it? You know, would you say anything like that? Or would you just, I probably, I'd probably pack it up and then call her and tell her or text her and say, Hey, your stuff's outside, come and get it. Or yeah, it's gonna go in the dumpster because you yeah. obviously don't care about it if it's been sitting over here for, you know, all this time. It's always those like coulda, woulda, shoulda moments too because, just like me, like if I I could have things could have been done so much sooner, <laughs> you know, had I and she like she mentioned before she was still under this impression that Denise was a horrible person and she still right. believed that and so right. she really wasn't gonna be receptive so if she reached out to Denise and she's like, well, that's my belongings. And he's trying to get back together with me. She might still fall for chase because in her heart and in her mind, she wasn't ready to accept that. Um, but again, it, it always rolls out the way it's supposed to, I think at the end of the day. And, and it's a learning lesson, just like you said, like with your college person, you're like, I would never do that again. And just like me and Athena, and like, I I would never get into a relationship with someone like Brandon again. And fortunately it took me a, a few years to figure it out, but I, I think with all of us who go through these things, that is, it is at the end of the day, a learning lesson. We discussed with Lexi how we would have reacted to Chase and his first or second wife, actually Denise at dinner. Um, and of course I said, yep, I have a tiger and flip some tables over and <laughs> really go out with a bang. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. I think Athena said she'd walk up and be like, Hey, what's up? And Lexi had a different answer. What would you do? I would totally, totally walk up to him and say, well, what the hell is this? You know? Um, no, 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 no. You just told me you were at your mom's. No, no. Yeah. The nursing home. No, that's huge. No. So there would be definitely some explaining right then and there, but I do, like you said, she has got some strength inside her because you know, how she played it was, was much smarter. His treatment to her was awful. And she keeps seeing these repeated things and she just takes the high road. Um, but I feel like by the time she got to that point and saw the two at dinner, I think I would have lost my shit. Yeah. Like done. I, I, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> 
This is so, I'm done. I'm so done with this. She could have gotten the same answers by doing that. I think that she could have, because she, Denise is right there. Denise, you tell me. You yeah, know, true. You tell me what's going on. So that's what I would have done. I yeah, would have walked up and just said, hey, like, what's going on? What's going on right. between you two? Right. You don't have to scream and yell and, yeah. um, you know, New Jersey that, housewife flip yeah. out. Yeah. You could grab a chair and just sit up there and then you would have got your answers right. But then again, <laughs> it gives it like, waiter, can I order a drink too? Thanks. I, I know a couple shots but, for everybody, but it gives him the opportunity to weasel out and come up with an excuse too. So having her pulled yes. in aside for lunch is a much better, like, let's be honest with each other and not have him kind of in the mix. Well, and it gives her more time too, to think about what she's going to do. When do you think her last straw should have been? so far of what we know of her story because obviously people ask us that all the time I think someone asked like what would it have taken for you to open your eyes sooner and I'm like that's a really hard thing to say because ultimately I couldn't see unless my heart was willing to accept what I saw you know uh, so if your heart's not gonna accept it then your eyes aren't gonna see it they might see it but not sink yeah. in you know what yeah, I mean yeah good point um, I, they definitely would have been the last straw for me. I, uh, if I don't know how she kept her cool that whole time without getting answers about his dinner with Denise, um, yeah, that would have just eaten me alive. I, I know. I think somewhere along the line, I would have, you know, jumped in and said something. I, I mean, this I think was it was definitely, like, right? definitely would have been the last straw. So let's do a little recount. So, so far he has pulled the cancer card, the religion card. I'm visiting my, my mom. mom who's has dementia and a nursing home card. He pulled the suicide card. The suicide <sighs> card. Wow. The gaslighting card for sure. Yeah. The love yeah. bombing at the beginning, manipulating her to move. And wow. the only thing that he's got going for him is that he has built-in trust from being childhood friends. Again, because I know how it feels to realize once you've made a really big decision, like a life decision, you realize you're in another state. <laughs> it's not easy to just be like, oh, I'm going to go back to Ohio, just like that. Right. Like, I mean, it's, I remember just crying, like, what the fuck did I do? Oh my gosh. And like trying to find an apartment and being devastated that I couldn't afford apartments in Seattle or trying to rent a room and no one would take boogie with me and yeah just being prideful and not wanting to ask my family for money or can you flow me until I can get a job it's just yeah there's so many other factors for why you stay and give people the benefit of the doubt longer than what they should so true there's so many reasons any comments advice Elson you want to give to our our listeners Oh gosh. Putting you on the spot. Um, well, when you have that many red flags, run. <laughs> run. Run, Forrest, run. Run as fast as you can. Yes. Yeah. Don't be so kind. Don't be so uh, you know, afraid of confrontation. Um yeah, so, I, I agree with that. I think you know. there's it's okay to stand up for yourself. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. I think that we all get so, you know, I'm a bad person if I don't believe his story and you know, like they make you feel that way. Right. And so if your gut is saying that you don't believe it, then you're not a bad person for not believing it and standing up for yourself. And it's okay to say, like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You get to choose you for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with Amber and I. It's been fun because this is, again, the first time we've all three. (gasps) But I know. So well, now we're going to have to have a little meeting of the Tigers in person. You're going to have to go to Seattle and I'll meet you up there. We'll get some drinkies. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. That'll be fine. Sounds good. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you guys. Thank you. Hey, X-Fans. If you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Undercover or the X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.